Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block and Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network. The podcast equivalent of sitting back after a nice full plate of mashed potatoes, stuffing gravy, some kielbasa, maybe throwing on some football and adjusting your britches. I am Jared Stormer of the Block M Podcast Network. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you are the king of britches adjusters and a wise sage, some say is immortal. How the hell are you, I'm well, man. It feels weird to get hyped up to talk about Iowa after Ohio State, but here we are. Look, we got to make up for some lost energy on the last one. There was a lot I wanted to say, but didn't physically have it in my vocal cords to get the words out. I was on like a word count, like somebody Welcome on a, on a pitch out count. Of the blue. <laughs> yeah, listening back to that, I had to like crank up the volume to try and get it out there, but we got through it. Energy is back, and these are the good times, brother. It is Big Ten Championship Week, third year in a row that we get to cover this. Third year in a row, we're going for the three-peat Big Ten champions. This is the best of times. Celebrate, rejoice, bring loved ones near and far around you, and tell them about how happy you are to be a Michigan fan, because you should. This is this is why we are fans from the word fanatics. We put in the time, people. Let's enjoy it. Exactly. Like you and I, I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping everybody in the moment, like understanding that these are the good times they are not going to last. They're not supposed to last. That's what makes them so precious to hold on to. Like we were here in 2020, just podding together, being like, here he is. 
this old squirrely son of a bitch. Let's talk ball. <laughs> it's nothing good. We didn't have a lot after a 49-11 loss to Wisconsin. But you get through that because of times like these. Three 12-win-plus seasons in a row. Undefeated again for the second straight regular season. Used to pray for times like these. Yeah, we've come a long way from, well, Luigi Valane's a redshirt senior next year. Maybe it'll, it'll finally <laughs> pop. Luigi Valane rumors. Just ever remember people on Twitter like, oh, it's happening. Like, no, it's not, guys. Give up. Please, just stop. It's not. It's not happening, all right? <laughs> oh, man. We got a lot to get through, so let's get into it. Let's do some quick hits. Um, It's more like just news. There's been a lot of it, obviously, this time of the year. Very rich with college football news. We got the coaching carousel going on. Awards are being doled out. All Big Ten teams. And let's start coaching cycles here because this one hits pretty close to home. Mike Hart will interview for the Indiana head, head coaching position, one of the several that are still open right now. Obviously, former running backs coach there. I think you and I feel similarly about this, but how do you feel about Mike Hart interviewing for that job? Tough place to win, Indiana. Well, firstly, I would love Mike Hart to be on the Michigan staff forever. I would love him to stay running back coach for the foreseeable future, but good for him. Like, if he can get this head coaching job, God bless him. He deserves it. He's a phenomenal head coach, an excellent leader of men. He has a history at Indiana. I think they would be dumb not to hire him because he's going to bring um, just an enthusiasm, put adult in the room. He can relate to recruits. He's really going to give that a boost as well. I think it would be a home run for them. He would obviously finish out the season with Michigan before he joins the staff. But if he can get it, I hope he does. I wish I could disagree with you here. It would certainly make for better podcast fodder. Maybe we need to get a third guy in here that's just a naysayer, no matter what the take. We're just like, yeah, Steph Curry, pretty good shooter. You agree? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then the third guy's like, can I zag? Like, I think that's what we need here. We just need a, a differing opinion because I'm 100% on board. It'd be great if he were to stay. And the only way that, like, he probably would want to stay or not take offensive coordinator jobs at least would be if Sharon Moore's elevated Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL and Mike Hart's involved in the offensive coordinator discussion which is entirely a possibility we don't know how our own coaching staff is going to shake up after this year not that I think Jim Harbaugh is eager to leave for the NFL I don't think that that's founded uh, but there's still some stuff sitting out there so I just want the best for Mike Hart. Love him like like he's my own. Um, so, yeah, if, if this is the job for him, it would make a lot of sense with his pass there at Indiana. I would feel bad for what we would do them on the field when we ran into him once every three years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to happen, though. You're going to take your lumps, and if he wants to go straight to a Big Ten job, you know, it's, it's kind of how it's going to be. But you and I have often talked about the success tax. As the team is successful, you're going to start losing assistance left and right, unless you just want to kind of wait out for the head coaching job at where you're at, like a la Brian Hartline. It's the reason he's hanging around Ohio State, because it feels like he's kind of the coach nudging on Ryan Day a little bit to get him out of there. But others, you know, are moving around, need to do what they have to do. Harbaugh spoke before the season about there's at least said seven or eight coaches on this team that will be head coaches, and no one was surprised to find out that Mike Hart was towards the top of that list. Not at all. And he will continue to get interviews. Two of the best phrases you've ever coined are the success tax. Love that. And Nico Suave as a nickname. Those are the top two. It's not debatable. Let's keep it pushing, though. It also in the coaching carousel, it's close to home. Michigan State hires Oregon State's Jonathan Smith. He is getting a seven-year deal at $7.25 I see no lessons were learned about uh, the length of contract and the sheer total that's being paid, although this is 
is a far cry less than the Mel Tucker contract. Still locking up their guy, Jonathan Smith is also a much better coach than Mel Tucker and a much better coach than Mel Tucker was perceived at even when they made that hire, I think. Mel Tucker's high point came at the signing of the contract, but this hire, I think you know more what you're getting with Jonathan Smith than you did with Mel Tucker. Do you agree? Yeah, offensive guy. He's going to work to rebuild the program. Uh, when he took over Oregon State, uh, first year there, he was 2-10, and ten, and then one, two, three, four, five years later, you know, from, from 18 to 23, he finished up 8-4 and four and was really competitive, uh, hired the right people to lead his defense, just did a lot of the good things you want to see from a program built organically. He's already coming in with the state school, like us against them mentality. So I think he's going to fit in for Michigan State, and it's I think it's just a great hire for them. It is. It's in no way a frightening hire, uh, but it is a good hire. I do think that he's going to return them to competency, and I'm not going to pretend to know what his ceiling is. Like It could be much higher. I mean, it definitely is higher at Michigan State. You have access to better recruits. I personally would rather live in Oregon, but uh, it's also just not quite the recruiting ground. It's going to be difficult to get recruits there with them now part of the two-pack and yeah, no conference whatsoever out there. So the, the move makes sense for both sides there. I think it'll work out well um ultimately but gonna be a, once again tough play you're coming into a difficult conference so it'll be an interesting adjustment period already lost some transfers already lost noah kim out of there lost another quarterback out of there so he brought in dj uyungalele out to oregon state which was a great transfer so i do anticipate he'll probably lean heavily into the transfer portal once again yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these coaches are like Mike Elko <clears throat> uh, moving to AM from Duke. I feel like he's going to be doing the same thing. It's just, it's the, I mean, the nature of the sport now. We saw Dion do it last year at Colorado. Like any of these new coaches are going to be dipping in the portal just to mitigate what they're gonna, like, going to inevitably lose in recruiting starting so late in the cycle. Absolutely, man. Uh, two other quick ones to hit on Arkansas finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator. What a feel good <laughs> comeback story that is absolutely hilarious uh just a couple games away from just taking over the helm again at arkansas how down bad do you have to be have some pride arkansas bringing him back like i, I just like keep him away from motorcycles co-eds and everything in between like only in college football i'd be like you know this never works for anybody but it could work for us. It could work for us. Have you ever been to Arkansas? It's exclusively co-eds and motorcycles. I mean, Fayetteville's a lovely town, and that's why he had such problems there the first time. Uh, but, I mean, in all fairness, Petrino remains, like, on the field in, in, like, battlefield scenarios, one of the best play callers in the sport. It's just everything else that comes with it. It's kind of an armpit of a guy, a lot of off-the-field baggage with him. <laughs> So if you can keep him between the lines, and maybe this could be a good thing for Arkansas, who is kind of offensively inept at times this season. Yes, literally and figuratively between the lines, Bobby Petrino. Good luck to you. Uh, last one I wanted to touch on, Texas A&M, uh, wild hiring cycle for them. Initially, they announced that they're hiring former Jimbo Fisher defensive coordinator Mark Stoops. There's an outright revolt. Uh, the pitchforks come out of the sheds. Torches are lit. And they back down and they decide they're going to dramatically change course by instead hiring former Jimbo Fisher defensive coordinator <laughs> Mike Elko. So 
I guess well done by Texas A&M on that situation. Um, I don't know who's the better coach, uh, Mark Stoops. I mean, I didn't think that was a bad hire at all. I thought it was um, better. And I, I thought it was slightly better. I don't know what the gap is between Stoops and Elko. I mean, I'm going to make a some type of pie chart, a, a diagram. Uh, I need an x-axis and a y-axis for the the Mark Stoops to to Mike Elko comparison. I, I, I don't understand that. No, no stoops. No, Elko. I mean, this is like a person getting mad over like a light beer. It's like, no, 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 no Bud Light. Coors Light. It's like, that big of a difference? Like, what are you doing here? I mean, I know there's Coors Light fans banging the table somewhere right now. Like, yes, there is. The mountains are blue. But like, this is just such a strange zag. Like, I thought they were going to go get somebody like big. But I mean, at least they got what we, I think we can both agree on is like, Still a good coach in Elko. Yeah, absolutely. A fine coach. Um, I think he's better than Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, when they got Jimbo Fisher, he was riding pretty high. But I was never the biggest Jimbo Fisher guy and thought that was maybe kind of a one-year wonder even then. Um, whereas I think Mike Elko can build something a little more consistent. But it's, it is the SEC. So let's see what they they come up with down there. Just wild, though. Texas A&M kind of remains a circus tent fire. So I don't really care. Let's remember one thing at AM, and I think they need to re- remind themselves of this to like kind of keep their seasons in perspective. Like, what is can you pull up their record this year? Because I have the rest of them. Uh, while he was at AM, they were nine and four, eight and five, nine and one, eight and four, uh, a bad season last year, five and seven. And then what were they this year? You're way faster at this. This year they were seven and five. So going back up, it's like, don't know what the expectation. I think it was just more like blown in the media because of all the recruiting classes. Like you expect more, but like it just kind of feels like one of those panic moves on the contract. Why not wait another year, keep the class intact, save yourself some money in the buyout and run it back one more time. Like I agree he's been underwhelming, but to say he's been like an unmitigated disaster is far-fetched. Right. But I mean, I think he ended up having a worse record than Kevin Sumlin, who you ran out of town. And like once it gets to that point, it's 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 really difficult to argue it. And they have higher standards. I'm not sure that they should just the way that they run their program and how involved the boosters are with day to day decisions. They're certainly throwing bags at recruits. There is no denying that. And I just don't know how viable that is when this is how you're building it. This there's no culture building whatsoever. It's more of like an NFL factory that you hope will put out wins but you don't have a Nick Saban at the helm you know to to really foster that sort of thing so um, I don't really care about Texas A&M so let's keep it pushing Uh, (laughs) we've got all Big Ten offense and defense to talk about Michigan well represented on both sides I don't think you and I are going to go too crazy on this because a lot of these don't make sense. And I went back and did an exercise uh, last year when I was looking at all the conference winners for the last five years from the power five conference and doing a real deep dive on that. And I just found a lot of glaring, glaring errors, discrepancies, things that I didn't love. So, uh, but we're going to talk about what we got going on this year, Michigan, where you want to start offense or defense? Uh, let's start on defense, and I would like when we go through this to hone in on on the ones that have two team differences between the coaches and the media because those are always the funniest. Yeah, it's like, guys, we really couldn't even come close to a consensus <laughs> here. So let's start with first first, Will Johnson, both coaches and media first team. Uh, no arguments here. I mean, ooh, I'm surprised by that one. <laughs> 
Uh, Mike Sainra still second coaches first media. I was a little surprised by this one um, because uh, the coaches or no, excuse me. I've got that backwards. It is first team. Yeah. Coaches got him first team. No, it's media, isn't it? Is it media? This is why I hate this. I hate this. Why do we do it this way? Come up with an aggregate. Yeah. Media (laughs) media is the second one. Coaches first. So either way, but like, yeah, Mikey, second team coaches, first team media. I mean, big 10. Yeah. Let's just talk about the big discrepancies. (laughs) (laughs) Let's name all the players first. Yeah, Mason Graham, first team, Junior Colson, second team, Chris Jenkins, second team, Kenneth Grant, second team, Mike Barrett, third and honorable mention, uh, Rod Moore, third honorable mention, and then several honorable mentions, which I will name consecutively, Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, Josh Wallace, Makari Page, Josiah Stewart, uh, James Turner, Turner, Tommy Doman, come on now, Justice, Samaj Morgan. So there's your list. Yeah, I do not like going through the who voted for what. Just just, let's get it together. It's so dumb. It's also like there's five All-Americans like voting bodies. So it's if you get consensus, you have three of the five. If you get unanimous, you get all of the five. It's like, can there just be one? Are you All-American or not? It's all I want. Um, My two favorite of the Big Ten or the defense and special teams, Mason Graham, first team coaches, third team media. Not a lot of ball knowers out there in the media. And uh, James Turner, second team coaches, third team media, or honorable mention media. What are we doing here? How, what is this? Yeah. yeah. What do we, yeah, honorable mention here for James Turner. James Turner's Ohio State alone, like elevated, elevated him in the rivalry. Like he will live on now as, as a kicker. I'm going to, I'm not going to push that agenda. It's not going to be a huge thing, but it's going to get mentioned time to time on here. You better just be ready for it. Um, kicks us I a national really... championship. It's going to live on forever. I'm getting his name tattooed on my forehead. I'm going to get it on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So... Uh, looking at the the other people that did win first team on the defense, uh, Jerzon Newton from Illinois. I don't really have any argument. He had a hell of a season, although Kenneth Grant and Chris Jenkins, I, I just think are, are maybe better. Um, we'll see about Jenkins being better than Johnny Newton, but I think Kenneth Grant will end up being better than Johnny Newton. Uh, Tuma Lowell, I don't know exactly how I feel about that. It's pretty good, though. Uh, Chop Robinson, Jay Higgins, I was going to push back on, but we'll talk about him in the second half of this pod when we preview Iowa. Tommy Eichenberg, first team linebacker. That's and then ridiculous. Like, ridiculous that's, one. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. I'd put Barrett one, Colson two. Yes. And then I would have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yes. But I mean, also, like, I do like Aaron Casey from Indiana a lot. I think we both like him a lot. Yeah, I, I think them play. The, the best three non-Wolverine linebackers they have them on here. They should just remove Eichenberg. It should be uh, Aaron Casey, Abdul Carter and Jay Higgins. Like, we haven't seen Higgins in live action yet, but when you and I watched Indiana and we watched Penn State, it's like, okay, Abdul Carter, he's a guy. Indiana, Aaron Casey, he's a guy. And the fact that neither of them could get coaches and media first team, Casey just media, Abdul Carter just coaches, shows how ridiculous this is and why we're just, by and large, making fun of it. Yeah, put us in on this committee. We will get it right every year. I promise. We watch a ton of Big Ten, and I'll watch more if this is my responsibility. I will find the time. Well, uh, let's keep – go ahead. I was going to say, dude, Denzel Burke, wouldn't you put Igbenosa over Burke? Yeah, I'm not the biggest Denzel Burke guy at all. That is like star watching, and you just read somewhere that Burke was supposed to be good. 
like I watched a lot of Denzel Burke and I didn't see like a crazy game breaker. Maybe he's one of those guys that ends up being a better pro, but I never came away watching their tape being like Denzel Burke is the guy. Mike Sainer still over Denzel Burke is probably, I think the, my biggest one, I have a big problem with that one. I know that there's other people that think there's some other ones. Um, I respect your opinion, but I, I'd go Mikey first team, just like, what he did from a game changing perspective, what he did from a leadership perspective, there's not a box he doesn't check other than size, but he plays like a giant out there. So I don't love it. Obviously, I'm a, a Mikey guy, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't really have any pushback from Cooper DeGene being there, though. <laughs> no, Cooper DeGene deserves to be on there. Yeah, Burke and Sainer still split the coaches and media first team votes. It's just one thing I'm so proud of us, I'm really proud of you two about this, is neither of us are bringing up stats for this because we've watched all of these guys play. It is just strictly oh. eye test. And that's, that's what it should be in these cases by yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, I know Mikey's, what, second in the Big Ten in interceptions. And yeah, I think he's, but he's above everybody that's first team there. So if I'm not mistaken, but regardless... I, I, it's it's really irrelevant but this stuff does come up like i mean when i'm doing my job and when you're doing your job and we're writing about this down the road yep. these things will be mentioned in those articles so um it would be nice if they got it right but let's keep it pushing let's go to the offense where michigan's extremely well represented particularly on the first team um some of these are also a little weird even when we get it uh you know the good guys get it right here jj first first what are we doing blake Corum, come on that is the layup of layups that is as easy as it gets zach zinter just as easy in my opinion um anything you want to highlight in particular with those three guys um, also, Drake Nugent, the other first Drake, first yep. on this yep. list uh, with McCarthy. No pushback. With McCarthy, he is the first non-Ohio State quarterback to win this since 2015 when it was, was that Kirk Cousins or was that Connor Cook? Might have Connor Cook then. I think it was. One of those Michigan State quarterback, and it is the first Michigan Don't quarter- ask me, brother. <laughs> first Michigan quarterback to get either first team since Denard Robinson in 2011, and first Michigan quarterback to get both since John Navarre in 2003. Insane. Well-deserved. Uh, did not end up getting the Michigan single seat. I mean, it's still possible. It's on the table. He needs a hell of a run here. I think he needs, like, six over the next two games, I think is what it would do. No, Jared, three games. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Three games. Three. Uh, look, this is all well-deserved. I don't know how you could push back on any of these. Drake Nugent, man, just like going from Olu and then bringing in yet another transfer and hitting like that is just incredible work by this staff in recognizing players to bring in, going out and securing those players. Not the craziest transfer-heavy team, but man, do they know how to get impact players and doesn't get much more impactful than Drake Nugent as a transfer. So that's tremendous. Uh, Colson Loveland should be first first, but Cade Stover took took some votes from him. Um, whatever, keep it pushing. Colson Loveland's the man. But Darius Henderson, first team. That one did surprise me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You and I were a little critical of Ladarius Henderson at times this year. Wasn't even the starter full time at no. tackle. I mean, there was there was movement happening throughout the season. So that one's a little weird to me. Um, I saw I think it was a PFF grade of the highest graded tackles in pass blocking and neither of our tackles were represented there, which I mean, PFF, I also don't buy or believe. But there's some elements to that that the eye test back up where I was like, I don't know if this was our strongest tackle year. Regardless, 
awesome for Ladarius Henderson. I don't want to sit here and uh, besmirch the man. Well done. Once again, hitting on transfers. Uh, good to see him. Uh, road grader in run blocking. There is a reason that both big runs against Penn State and Ohio State broke to the left side. It's because he just completely gashed it, opened a hole. And also, uh, just to make it even more romantic, because how can you not be romantic about football? Corm's touchdown run after the Zinter injury was the longest run Ohio State's allowed all season. Beautiful. I don't know why now you chose to to give that statistic, but I love it nonetheless. Because Ladarius Henderson's here, you know, bringing it up. I got so many stats in my head, man. It's hard to keep them in order. At 100%. I'm not <laughs> going to hate on you for when you Damn you, Andy, for that stat. <laughs> Curse you. Ah. Like you, you can only go super cyan so often. You got to like use it, you know, whatever you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, Trevor Keegan, second team, second team feels about right. I, I love Trevor Keegan. I, I'd be nice to see a first team in there because I don't really know who at guard I saw that was better. I watched a ton of big 10 football this year, but I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know that there was a guard that I identified that'd be like, Oh yeah, that guy over Keegan. No, I mean, you can pick and choose some second and second, I guess, if you're going to like boil it down, like I'm okay with that at the bottom end, definitely an improvement from last year, but I would have, I would have loved just that they could appease me and give me the one first one second. Like I'm a simple man, like just cut it. Give me one or the other, you know? Yeah. Particularly since the guys that did get the other first were both Ohio state guys and we just beat them, ran through them. Hmm. We had the, the better rusher on the year. So uh, I don't get it, but I digress. Let's keep it pushing. Uh, Roman Wilson, second, second. That feels right. Um, incredible touchdown. Yeah. Touchdown to touches ratio through the roof for Roman Wilson this year. Uh, Carson Barnhart, second, third. Um, rough stretch, but for the most part, a good se- a, a good season. I think this feels right. And A.J. Barner, honorable and honorable mention. I can, is there a place for AJ Barner on here? I am just becoming an AJ Barner guy. Um, the problem is there's only one. Yeah. So like it's Cade Stover, Loveland. Like if you did two tight ends, which I think you should do because it's the big 10. I mean, how many times are we running two tight end personnel quite often? Yeah. Um, so I'm that if I'm sports czar, I'm adding that. Yeah, that one. I mean, and also um, the, the last one on here, Cornelius Johnson, honorable mention. Good for him. I mean, just, just happy to see his name mentioned on here. We're still in the apology tour. Um, no Max Bredesen love. I'm not surprised to see that because he plays a position that just doesn't get a lot of attention. So, I mean, you don't need to see this to understand who's important for Michigan's team, but it is cool to see certain players recognized. 100% with you, brother. Uh, all right. This is a segment with or anything else big picture you want to talk about with those awards? Um. <laughs> The, the every year we see them, the more I'm like, these are stupid. <laughs> every year, it's like I understand you made a great point about historical context to see where they line up, but unless you're gonna watch the game, sometimes they can be very misleading. I'm with you, brother. Um, offensive player of the year went to Marvin Harrison. Uh, Nagurski Woodson, defensive player of the year, went to Johnny Newton. Can you really give it to a team that's not going to be represented in a bowl game? But I, all right, that's fine. Um, the Randall L. Freshman of the Year went to Dylan Feynman from Purdue, who I believe led the conference in interceptions. Uh, Coach of the Year, David Braun. Yes, um, if Sharon Moore was eligible, he should have gotten it, but I get it. We're splitting the vote kind of between Harbaugh and Sharon Moore. 
Um, media vote, also Dave Braun on that one. Greasy quarterback of the year, J.J. McCarthy. Thank you. Receiver of the year, Marvin Harrison. Running back of the year, Blake Corum. Tight end of the year, Cade Stover. What are we doing? Ridiculous. Just Come on. Um, offensive lineman of the year, Olu Fashionu. Defensive lineman of the year, Johnny Newton. Linebacker of the year, Eichenberg. Defensive back that's of the year. That's ridiculous that Eichenberg I know. got linebacker There's the second the one. Yeah, that's the second one. Yeah, what are we doing over freaking the guy we're going to talk about later in this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Over uh, Iowa's guy. What was his name? I want to give him respect. Um, yeah. We should over Jay Higgins, over Aaron Higgins. Casey, and over Abdul Carter. Gave him linebacker of the That's ridiculous. Look, we know the Big Ten and Ohio State are tight. Why is this surprising? Where they're like, yeah, let's throw Cade Stover some love. Yeah, he comes over at night and he stuffs our stockings and gives me back rubs. Like, sweet. Good for maybe, you. Maybe Happy Gene Christmas. Smith will threaten us somewhere in a parking lot. I'll get He's the Big Ten that. on you. I'll get you. I'll get you. He's like a Scooby-Doo villain. I'll get you meddling kids. He's All like right, Scrooge. Gene, it's that time of the year, you know. He's like really mad about people celebrating Christmas in his neighborhood. Someone put this guy in a wheelchair, give him some clodopins and get him home. Please. <laughs> uh, I know you want to talk on this one. Punter of the year, Tory Taylor. We will talk about him in the second half as well. A busy man for <laughs> Iowa, but you certainly don't think the uh, the deserving of the ward here. No, Tommy Doman had the uh, two huge pressure punts, like in like obviously limited action because Michigan's offense is competent. He doesn't get a chance to put up 313 punt yards a game. He put two, two inside the five in one possession games down the stretch here. Now I get it. I was always in one possession games, but this is the number two team undefeated in the country. Like, come on. It was absolutely ridiculous. It's just the Tory Taylor, the punting shirts are fun at Iowa, and we love punting, yada, 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 just coping with their offensive woes. Should have been Tommy Doman's award. This is a merchandising choice. This is about the punch shirts is what this is. I know one way to solve this and a way for us to finally get big on out of the blue. We create a critical punting index or maybe like a, a critical punt rate. Big time punts and big time moments certainly matter more than like your average three and out, which yes. plenty of three and outs for Iowa this year. So like sweet congratulations on hitting like a, a, a punt here that's completely meaningless in this 13 to nine game that y'all are going to play critical punting percentage. That's I love that. But because I mean, look what Doman did against Ohio state. The one time, like Michigan struggled early, hit a 70 some yard bomb that netted 52. Like if he's always getting three and ounce, he's just going to keep putting balls down there and his numbers are going to reflect that. So like, yeah, his punt average isn't going to be as high because Michigan's offense isn't normally stalling out. Like, behind the 20 yard line or anything like that like iowa's is just ridiculous we need to come up with a stat the doman index or something we need justice the doman index that that has a strong ring to it uh cl i was thinking like the uh the clutch award they have yeah. like clutch field clutch field goal percentage clutch yeah so that's where i was going with that um all right let's get into some just random superlatives um i was just gonna throw them into this section but i like how you pepper them in there maybe you're doing it the right way maybe you're the pro here but i've got a superlative i'm gonna start with this one just a fun season and <laughs> This this really stands apart to me. Winning percentage by a starting quarterback with 25 starts. I'm going to go from the bottom and work my way up and just some of the names that are in this. Joe Burrow with a career record of 25 and three. Stetson Bennett, career record of 29 and three. Deshaun Watson, who won 91% of his games, 32 and three. Trevor Lawrence, 
who won 94% of his games, 34 and two, sitting at the top currently above everyone else. JJ McCarthy with a 24 and one record. He's won 96% of his games. <laughs> That's absurd. Like, that is such a ridiculous stat. And 25 games is an adequate sample size. Like that mm-hmm. is a, a good, cause I hate it when it's like pulled from 10 or something stupid. 25 is great. I mean, this is what we wanted when he committed was a winner up there. And that's what like, we're going to get into Cade McNamara later in this podcast, but he yeah. was trying to position himself as that. Uh, JJ McCarthy embodies it. Like, like Trevor Keegan this week on in the trenches talking about how he just carries himself a different way. He's always had an aura around him that makes people want to follow him, makes him like, just want to believe in what he's bringing. And you see it on the field, like unselfish. I believe it's like the first time in the last 20 years that Ohio State's give like, given up an 80% completion percentage to an opposing quarterback. And he just did it effortlessly in this game against the Buckeyes. Like he doesn't care about the stats. He just cares about winning. And it's reflected in that statistic. We often use the phrase leader of men exemplified. Yes. Exemplified with JJ McCarthy. And does he need to come back? Do we secretly not want him to get the record to give him just a little more gas in the tank? Maybe one more year, maybe one more year, maybe Giovanni El Hattie, Sliding in at guard, not such a bad thing. I, I think he does need another year. I just uh, just to like, hammer out some of the inconsistencies, just get it down, become more of a refined product because I think he could be a top five NFL draft pick in next year's draft if he number one. Is, I think even, he could be number one. He could be number one, especially with the quarterback class really dropping off compared to this year, which is going to be an historic class. So I think it would behoove him in the long term, and it would you know behoove us in the short term. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, this is no agenda whatsoever. Just give it your, your honest take here. Look, the man is nothing else but a journalist with integrity. And look, the offensive line is going to be good again next good again next year. My guess would be there's at least one transfer coming in that will likely start or get rotational minutes. And even if we don't, this is now a reloading, not rebuilding position yeah. group. The culture is well built. Sharon Moore still in place, particularly if this coaching staff stays intact i think the the offensive line is going to be great we're going to have a million pods this offseason about returning talent and stuff so i'm not going to get too deep into that now but you brought up some great points there so um all right next one here like this one as well ohio state had eight more five stars than michigan and 18 more four stars and obviously still lost 30 to 24 speak on it hmm Hmm, like player development matters. Like it's, it's one of those crazy aspects in all this. I mean, I love the clips going around of like Mikey Sainer still hitting Travion Henderson. It's like three-star, five-star. Or Jalen Harrell coming in and hitting Donovan. I think it's Donovan Jackson, their left guard. And it was like three-star, five-star. Same thing with Quentin Johnson hitting the Mecca Buka. And there's just, stars tell you a lot but they don't tell you everything, especially now when the kind of a lot of the star sites are getting more subjective and things are getting skewed to have different rankings on, on three compared to 24 seven compared to rivals compared to this and that and yada, yada, yada. And player development still matters the most. Like Jim Harbaugh always preaches like finding a young guy that still has that step to take to becoming a man. They thought he talked about that with Rod Moore a lot. It was like, he's still like 17. Like he has another just like growth spurt in him to become a man. And like, that's going to bump you up from a three-star to a five-star. And that's such a savvy way to look at things. And also when it comes to stars, you're not evaluating film prep. Again, Rod Moore, 
classic example, and just a bunch of other factors involved in this. I love to see it. You and I understand and appreciate stars to a certain degree, but they have never been the end-all be-all in our kind of evaluation, and we've always backed the um, player development above all. Well said, particularly once we learned like how these stars are doled out and it could just mean coaches aren't doing their job in recruiting. And that's yep. why guys aren't getting recruited, which obviously the case. Uh, Chris Jenkins, a three star, another notable three star. Tommy Doman was a three star. Jalen Harrell, who had the critical pressure in that game, three star. So it certainly is not the be all and all. Zach Zinter was a three star. Zach Zinter. Yeah. I know, man. What are we doing? Yeah, it, it certainly is not. And it is about gelling those guys together, how you get them to buy in. It is the nuances, how they respond to the strength and conditioning coach, uh, what the little things that they're doing off the field. Do they buy into the diet? Like, do they buy into being a role player? It's not going to be easy. Do they transfer out instead of waiting a year? So it's so much that goes into it and hitting on all those little things, the not sexy things like we talked about that Michigan does to win. And, and that's what's filling in the gaps of those those stars on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and that's the way you have to do it. If you're not just going to divvy out the bag to every five-star that walks through your halls, then you got to find a way to get an advantage. And they're doing that the old-fashioned way by just giving him the Ben Herbert, he's turning him into monsters, and then this coaching staff's putting him on the field in positions to succeed. I have to just envision Jim Harbaugh walking up to a field and just seeing a kid that plays ball, but he weighs like 86 pounds and he just looks over to Jay Harbaugh and he's like, give him to Ben. And just like, we'll make a man of him. Feed him to Ben. I, I, I got something for this kid. You know, just sees like a stick out there. I mean, like uh, McCory Page is one of these examples that just came to my head, like very thin, very frail came when he came to Michigan, just always lanky playing at 6'3", 6'4". And now he just looks terrifying out there. Well, you and I saw Derek Moore. I mean, he had a lot of genetic advantages, but my God, that guy was a monster when he was at Michigan in the spring. Yeah, Derek Moore, gifted individual. Um, yeah, 100%. It's like, give him to Ben. And then the recruit's like, what does that mean? And six weeks later, he's out in Schembechler Hall, like eating full rotisserie chickens and dragging a battleship anchor behind him on a chain. It's like, oh yeah, this guy's, this guy's going to grow up quickly. Ben Herbert such a key piece of this three-peat and we'll talk about him more but definitely a guy that i want to start peppering in more to these podcasts because we need to appreciate him and we talked a little bit about him off air and that's a big part of this michigan turning these three and, and four star guys into absolute stars so uh, anything else on that before we keep it mo moving sir no very pro ben herbert yeah, pro Ben Herbert here. Uh, we won't touch on this one too much because we're going to talk about some ineptitude of, of these teams later on. But Blake Corum, 22 touchdowns on the season. It's the same amount as Michigan State and two more than Iowa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, yeah, you and I, the thing that jumped out to us was we knew Iowa was bad. But like, I had no idea things had gotten that dark in East Lansing. Like, it is Jonathan Smith's got his work cut out for him to get that offense back to even serviceable shape. Yeah, I hope you bring in some real dudes because it's <laughs> it's got some fixing up to do. It's a little bit of a fixer-upper. So good luck to you, Jonathan Smith. Um, all right, got one more for you here. Not surprising. We do not buy the numbers given to the big house at the big house last weekend. I am certain that was the most attended big uh, Michigan football game. Like for some reason they were either over inflating numbers previously, or that one was miscounted. So we're not going to touch on that statistic, but I'm just throwing it in here. Cause you and I will never buy it. 
No, I mean, sitting there, again, just stacked up on top of people. Because when I was at the, I think it was Wisconsin in 2016, I think they reported like 111 or low 112. This was immensely more than that. You and I can both attest from our sections being there. No, there were more than 110,000 people there. Believe that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm pretty sure they put, didn't they, wasn't there like a 113 at one point that they put out versus Notre Dame? I thought that yep. that thing got up stupid high. And I'm yep. like, where are these people? Are they living in the tunnel? Are these are these tiny people? Are they all up in the press boxes? Do the people up in the blimp count? How many people can you fit in a blimp? Well, These are the, the questions I ask. At the 2015 uh, Michigan-Ohio State game, it's reported that there was 111,800. I was there. And... The um, Bowling Green game this year felt like it had more people than that game. Yeah, I was at the Notre Dame night game in that one year, and that was definitely reported more than that. So whatever. We digress, but I'm, something's up, and I don't know why it's up. Maybe uh, too many eyes of the Big Ten on it. Tony Petiti in attendance just out there being a Scooby-Doo villain like he does, like one is wont to do. Um, but this is one stat I did want to report. Michigan's win over Ohio State averaged 19.1 million viewers. That's more than the NCAA men's uh, championship basketball game, the Kentucky Derby, NBA Finals Game 5, Masters Finals Round uh, World Series Game 5, and Stanley Cup Game 5. Uh, shout out to Zach Shaw for that on Twitter. Um, one more before we move on. It said the Michigan State game you and I were at together had 111. Yeah, not no. a chance. You and I were dancing around having a good old time. At one point, we had the barbecue out. <laughs> we were just like, we thought if we held it high enough in the air, Bielema could smell it and he would just be there, but still waiting for him to wait for him to show. Um, yeah, dude, the viewership number. I mean, this is the highest viewed Michigan Ohio state game since the undefeated matchup in 06. It peaked at, at 22 million viewers and we knew it was going to be like this. It's awesome to see the numbers back it up. It's awesome to see that many people tune in for a key Michigan win. And honestly, it feels low. There's what, 333 million people? <laughs> what are the rest of you guys America? doing? What are you guys yeah. doing? It's a, it's a Saturday in November. What are you, a pumpkin patch? That's preposterous. I'm disappointed. I don't want to focus Get on the life. people that we're watching. I want to focus on the rest. All right. On the Shame rest on of you. you. Shame on you. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, any other little tidbits you wanted to touch on here, sir? Nah, that's it for me, man. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to break down this matchup. It's in Indy this weekend. Iowa, not for all the marbles, but for a great deal of the marbles. We'll be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 
Block M. All right, we are back. We are righteous men. College football remains very good into week 14 because we are a righteous football team, or at least fans of one. We are breaking down Iowa, Michigan this weekend in Indianapolis. Do you have any thought of attending this? I did. I I, I really had to. I went back and forth a lot. Um, my birthday's early next week, so doing some celebration stuff this weekend, though, organizing things with some friends. So we're having a little watch party at our place instead for that. Like after a big month of travel, two Michigan games in November. Be good to just, you know, stay home and a little bit of home turf for this one. I did not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much more difficult. I don't have any like place to stay in Indy. If I had a free place to stay and had people in Indy. So uh, if you're a fan of the podcast and you live in Indianapolis, let's connect. Let's have some beers, crack them open. Let's talk about times, future and past. Um, but yeah, like not knowing anyone there, that's an expensive ordeal. Tickets are going up. I'm going to Columbia here in a couple months. I got your wedding next year. Um, you got to pick and choose these things, Ugh. but it's going to be a hell of a time. If you're going, I am envious. There was... So De- Devin Gardner, I don't know if it's a charity thing or not, but they are taking a, he's taking a bus down and 30 people or so get a ride on it with him. He's taking like a whiteboard and he's going to hang out. Like you can just hang out with Devin Gardner on the trip down. And then like you're, you're there at the game and then you have the bus trip back on the same day. And I think it's $400 a ticket to get on the bus and live. God bless her. My fiance was like, well, do you want that to be your Christmas present? And I was like, yeah. Oh man, Justin Bridges. Uh, but that would involve a five-hour drive back to Ann Arbor on Friday, a five-hour drive back on Saturday. Not to mention eight hours of bus travel on Saturday. It would be worth it, but it would be just a little, yeah. little too much right now. It is, and look, we don't know when this thing ends. If there's a natty game, I want to have some flexibility because I may have to consider that. I mean, we're going to be in the stratosphere then, where it's like only Stephen Ross can afford tickets, but. I mean, look, I can rob somebody. Like, there's always crime. (laughs) There's always crime. Well, you can't kick us out of all the bars in the town. You certainly can't. You can try, but there's way too many in your average town. Where's the national championship this year? I am pulling that up right now. So, uh, it's the games are semifinal. One's at the Rose. One's in New Orleans. The national title game. Why doesn't it? Why doesn't give me a location? Like. Got to be Dallas or LA, right? I Dallas, think it's LA, I Miami, think it's Dallas. Atlanta. Yeah. Well, regardless, we have a game to preview. But when you find that, please go ahead and let us know. I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with Iowa, which um, we had a hell of a lot of fun talking about Iowa this year, even though they weren't a common opponent. We kind of saw this on the horizon that they might be that team. We just thought they might get here in a different way. I think we thought that Cade McNamara and Eric all would lead them to being an offense that your average fan doesn't break down in cry laughing when they watch, but in actuality, they were an offense that you actually break down and cry laughing. I doubled over several times when we were talking about some of the statistics about this Iowa offense. That being said, they do have a defense. And with that segue, oh, by the way, the game's in Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah, not interested. Yeah. We actually have a special guest today for the podcast listener. We have Cade McNamara here. He's coming in to uh, d- discuss some oh. of this. So, Cade, come on in. Wow. 
yeah, I've been a part of the program for a, a few years. Like I understand the defense and what they're trying to do. And I, I'm going to share a, a lot of secrets with our team, give them everything I got because I can't do it on the field this year anymore. As you know, I, I hurt my knee early in the season. So they're really going to miss my 51.1% completion percentage, my four touchdowns, throwing the ball 5.6 yards per attempt. Really going to miss that in the game. So I'm just going to do everything I can for them, you know, really get revenge on that other team. Thank you for that, Cade. <laughs> Cade, uh, pleasure to have you here. Four touchdowns to three interceptions on the year. I mean, exceeded expectations because they were low from me, but uh, that's such a good Cade back to impression. <laughs> you busted that out right when we were off air, and I was like, my God, I can hear the sniveling weasel now. <laughs> Just... Okay, as everyone knows, not Cade McNamara, obviously just a crude impression, but he was in the media this week doing interviews <laughs> referring to oh, Michigan shit. as the other team. I had to make sure they knew. I mean, it was dead on. Uh, referring to Michigan as the other team, talking about how he's going to uh, give the defense and the team all the prep he can on Michigan from the uh, Josh Gaddis offense he ran. Uh, it's also silly and stupid, and Cade just comes out looking more and more childish the longer this goes. Like, the other team... Like Trevor Keegan and other players this week are interviewed for Michigan saying they can't wait to see Eric and Cade, you know, reconnect, talk to him a little bit. And he can't even say Michigan. Get over yourself, please. It's ridiculous, man. And uh, we're going to, I mean, yeah, actually, no, let's get it all out here. Let's get it all out at the top. I think this is the time to talk about the Cade McNamara of it all, because all you had to do to go to, was go to Iowa and do your thing. Have, have a good old jolly time there in Iowa and put up your horrible touchdown to completion percent or your touchdown to interception complete percentage. But he didn't want to do that. He decided to make this personal. It was obviously personal for Cade McNamara at some point along the line. And yeah, instead of being a Michigan legend, I think he's pretty much generally derided amongst the fan base. I don't think anyone's really into Cade anymore outside of maybe Don Thomas, who, you know, <laughs> certainly, Same. certainly, certainly co collecting rainwater on the island. Uh, <laughs> but for the rest of us, we've long since set sail. It's. Yeah, man, like, like Taylor Upshaw went to Colorado and then Arizona, balled out this year. You know, more power to him. Sometimes a guy just has to transfer. Brandon Peters went to Illinois, played pretty well. Like, there's just no animosity like that. So sometimes there's not a roster spot, not a situation, not a culture fit, whatever. Like, go on. I hope you have success unless you play Michigan. Cade, just every chance he gets, his quarterback, coach, Jordan Palmer, anybody, they're just, like, trying to feed this narrative that he was so wronged. Meanwhile, J.J. McCarthy, you know, quarterback of the year in the Big Ten, first-team coaches, first-team media, setting all these records, best win percentage for a starter in 25 starts ever, and somehow Cade still thinks he got slighted in all this. I wish I could have that kind of inflated view of myself. Maybe I'd be more successful. I don't know where I would be. We definitely wouldn't be friends because you'd hate me, but like yeah. that, that kind of self-belief is unbelievable, Border and not even borderline. It's just delusional. Imagine doing that, whatever your job is as a listener, like I'm sure there's not one job that exists amongst our listeners where they could go in and be like, all right, yeah, you know, you know, we went in and, uh, and, and Jonathan Jesus McCarthy. Yeah. He, he outperformed me. I get it. He outperformed me really badly. Uh, he made me look terrible. Um, he, he made me look like, I don't understand my job. I don't understand fundamentally how to perform this job. Uh, so bad. In fact, that I was laughed off the field. I was booed by my other, by the people that, you know, support me. Uh, they, they booed me. But that being said, I 100% deserve this job. And in fact, maybe a raise. And uh, <laughs> I would I would be in this position anywhere else in the country. And, um, and, and I think you need to accept that.
Like that is irrational confidence, brother. Before his injury, he was on pace to be a worse Spencer Peters from two years ago. Like he was terrible when he played. He was bad. We watched him early on. We wanted to see how it looked. And we're like, oh, this is worse than what we saw in brief stints at Michigan. He was bad for Michigan the last time we saw him there. Bad. Like he got booed off the field. Twenty twenty two. I didn't agree with. No, but twenty twenty two K statistically was worse than Wilton Spate in twenty seventeen. Like not sixteen Spate. Talking seventeen Spate, which no one even remembers. Like that's how bad Cade McNamara was in, and he just acted like he got cheated. Like, Harbaugh got it out for me. You know? No, Cade. No. You lost. You're like an Ohio State fan. You lost. Deal with it. Just like, that's the world we live in now. And, yeah. I'm sorry that we had to start this with such negative Cade McNamara discussion, but he he literally started it. I sound like a child over. He started it. (laughs) You know I'm down for this. Like, you know where I stand on Cade. But let's... Let's get back. Let's start with the Iowa offense. We're already with Cade, and we'll get to the good stuff about Iowa. Um, even without Cade, even with Cade, this offense is infamously flaccid. There's just nothing to it. Against Michigan this coming weekend, their over-under point total in the first half is half a point. Not even a full point. Can't even just get one. Like, can't get one. It's half a point. I mean, they're they're the number 124 scoring offense of the number 120, 133 total offense last nationally. They average more yards punting per game than they do total yards of offense by a significant margin. It's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen recently in college football. Eric All is still their leading receiver. He hasn't played since October 14th. Like pick picks any stat you want, man. Go any direction you want to describe how inept this offense is. Uh, I'm just enjoying listening to you cook on this. Obviously last in the Big Ten. I mean, just like last in the nation. Uh, Unwatchable. Uh, generally unwatchable. I wish there was something that I could point to, like, well, at least they got this guy going on. And they had that. Uh, I was more interested in watching the Eric All than the Kate McNamara of it all when that began. Yeah. But obviously we weren't going to get that. So, you know, that that's what happens. They have 80 punts on the year. All right. We have 36. So if you came and gave me nothing else, if I had just landed on this planet and didn't understand the concept of anything, but you presented me with that, I'd be like, well, I feel like that team that has punted the ball 80 times this year is probably at a severe disadvantage. Yeah, that would be the answer, particularly stacked up against this Michigan defense. It is. Let's think about this. Is this the biggest discrepancy between units that we've seen this year? We've played some some bad opponents, but this Iowa offense certainly stands apart. Yeah, it's this is 100 percent. it. We saw what happened against Penn State when Iowa played them. I mean, just the 31-0 beatdown. Couldn't do anything with the football. Just completely lost. And Michigan's defense is better than Penn State's. Like, you're not going to have that home field advantage, but now you have Deacon Hill starting at quarterback whose numbers don't even don't even describe how bad he is. And his numbers are awful. I compare him to, he's like perhaps the Zach Wilson of college football mixed with Nathan Peterman. I don't even know. It's on the season. Hill is completing 48% of his passes, averaging 4.9 yards per attempt with five touchdowns and six picks. 4.9 yards per attempt. I just didn't think was possible. Like you need three passing completions for a first down. 
and he's also as mobile as that recent Barry Sanders statue that was unveiled. Not 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 current Barry Sanders, and certainly not prime Barry Sanders. Uh, not able to do much with his legs. I don't see any dynamism. Um, not a dynamic arm. And like, man, we're just really, really shitting on the Iowa quarterbacks to start yes. this one. But they're uh, awful. I, I, like. <laughs> I play the hand I was dealt. They're bad. They're bad. Like the Iowa fans know they're bad. They wear shirts that say punt. They understand how bad this offense is. Brian Ferentz was given like one of the easiest directives, scored 25 points per game in the Big Ten. This was not a great Big Ten year. It was one of the worst Big Ten years I've ever seen, truth be told, top to bottom. It would not yeah. have taken much to get to 25 points per game. You should have been able to cushion that against lower lesser opponents. He could not find a way to do that. It was an ineptitude that was built on nepotism, which respect family's important. I mean, Vin Diesel, um, I get it, uh, but it's just, it was not an effective football product and uh, you reap what you sow. Like you're going to get absolutely waxed on, in this phase of the game. And it seems like Kirk Ferentz knows it. He does. And that's the one thing you and I both really like and respect Kirk Ferentz and his one yeah. of his, his, his Fatal flaw is he's you know too much of a loving believing father. Um, <laughs> they're going to do some things in this game to make it close because they know they have nothing to lose. This isn't a kitchen sink game. They're throwing the whole house and neighborhood that and anything they can imaginable at Michigan. Um, Kirk Ferentz is one of the godfathers of zone running, so you're going to see a lot of stretch zone, which Michigan has struggled with at times this season. You're going to see trick plays. You're going to see stuff they've never put on tape this year just to try to catch this defense off guard. Um, Iowa does have two decent running backs. The numbers aren't going to blow you away, but Caleb Johnson averages four yards a carry, has three touchdowns on the year. Um, LaShawn Williams averages five yards a carry, over 700 yards on the year and two touchdowns. Their their numbers aren't going to be impressive because the Iowa offense can't consistently move the football. Everyone is just loading the box up against them, and they're just praying for a short field. That's how this unit runs because at the quarterback position, they're inept on the offensive line. They're kind of up and down this year. Like I'm sure they're going to have one of their best games against Michigan, just being up for the moment, having a chance to play spoiler of spoiler, you know, 23, 24 point spread. No one believes in us, that type of team. But at, at the quarterback position, the most important position on the field, they are, they're not even a negative, like they're beyond that. And that's all that's ultimately going to limit this team and how much they can, even move the ball across the 50 in this one. Well said. Um, yeah, it feels like we're really hating on Iowa when in actuality, I think you and I both kind of respect this program. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're talking about their offense and, and trust me, we're going to show reverence when the time comes, when we get to their defense and special teams. But if I were an Iowa fan, I would be frustrated. So I, I think that this is warranted. And another thing worth noting, you talked about their running backs. They're not putting up eye-popping stats. And they never really do at Iowa. There's been some good years. Um, gosh, some, some of the names really escape me at this point. It's been a long, long week, guys. Um, but, you know, they, they also don't have quite the offensive line that they've had in past years. I mean, you go back to 17, and, like, there, there's a lot of guys that were getting taken from their offensive line and, and like just looking at what they have currently now, like there's no Andrew Donnell. There's, there's no Riley Rife. There's no guys like that, that you're looking at. They're like, Oh, that's, that's going to be like a next level difference maker on the offensive line. There's no Tristan Wirfs and look at what he's doing currently, yeah. you know, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So 
I'm not worried about their offensive line. I'm not worried about the matchups. They're not a dynamic playmaker at running back. I mean, you would have to be like, would go back to prime Barry Sanders. Just watch the documentary on Barry Sanders on Amazon prime, by the way, that's why he's getting brought up and he's just the man, but you'd have to be that level of talent to work within an offense that cannot get anything going through the passing game has an offensive line that I would say is probably maybe above the middle of the big 10, but like no further than that overall it's going to be really difficult to get anything going against a defense that's dialed in could be missing will johnson but uh if there's one position group you could afford to have a guy take a day off uh, their leading receiver hasn't played since before halloween <laughs> it's yeah man and we're not even asking for like a sean green type of running back they don't even have an akram wadley like i'm sure all week they're going to be preaching to this team that like Remember 2016, they came here, we took them down. We ruined their perfect season. We can do it again. But that Iowa team, I believe, finished ranked after that. Like, they were a pretty good team running the ball, especially. We know defensively they're going to be good. They were not this bad on offense. They were not led by Deacon Hill. It was not even close to resembling this. So it sounds like we're piling on, and we kind of are, but it is very rare when you see a Power 5 offense this incapable of the forward pass. Like it is just, it's, it's, it's baffling to watch, to be honest. I completely agree. I think we've piled on, but they're already dead. You can't kill them anymore. <laughs> let's, let's go to Phil Parker and this defense. And uh, I say Phil Parker in this defense, because yes. maybe the greatest value that exists on the planet currently is Phil Parker for what he's getting paid in the big 10. It's either that or the Costco hot dog. I'm, I'm I'm uncertain of which one I'd go with at this point, but Phil Parker, the Costco hot dogs of coaches doing more with less. This defense is legitimate. They find ways to develop players, um, not necessarily a fertile recruiting ground of Iowa, but they make the most of what they have and put out an incredible run of, of draftees and consistently have one of the best defenses in the big 10. What stands out to you about this defense? <laughs> One, I'm just going to cook on Phil Parker, man. I Please. love Phil Parker. I think he's he's perennially the, one of the best DCs in the country. I think he is, uh, especially when you factor in the lack of complimentary offense or even just a semblance of support from that side of the ball. I think Sharon Moore should win the Broyles for what he's done this season, but if not, it should go to Phil Parker. I mean, this unit is fundamentally sound. They're always going to be in the right gaps. They're not going to be confused in coverage. They're going to communicate very well. They're, everyone's going to do their 111. They're just going to be well-coached to the extreme in this game. They're going to be hyper-focused because this is the biggest game of their season. Chance to play spoiler, ruin everything for Michigan. I think the key here to beating them is just, it's, it's simple. It's be patient and let's keep them on the field. Like instead of just focusing about scoring, Urban Meyer, I can't believe I, I like this Urban Meyer point, but talked about winning the 10-yard battle and just getting to the first down, kind of what Michigan did in the last drive against Ohio State offensively. Win the 10-yard battle. So if Michigan can continue to win the 10-yard battle and keep this team on the field, they're going to tire them out because they're human beings and you just can't play that much. Against Penn State, Penn State scored three points in the first quarter, seven in the second quarter, 14 in the third, and that's when it kind of broke through, and then an additional seven in the fourth to win 31-0. I think you're going to see a similar effort from Michigan in this one. They're going to be patient. They're going to keep them on the field. The offense for Iowa we know is not going to do much, and the Michigan offense is just going to tire them out methodically, and it's going to be the quintessential boa constrictor type of game. 
Wow. Lot said there. I mean, you wrapped it all. You wrapped it all up into a little bow. So I guess we'll call it. Uh, no, I got. Gate, gate, no, no, no. Don't come back on. Gate. No, no. You said enough. It's gonna get aggregated. Uh, yeah, you said a lot there. All right. So I'll start with the Phil Parker part of it. And in his twelfth season, seems to be getting better. Uh, what he did in twenty twenty one and what he did this year are master classes. Uh, the players that they're developing, Riley Moss, Cooper DeGene, we are like huge fans of both of those guys. Like those are dudes I would love to see at Michigan or like, yeah, just incredible. Like and both white quarterbacks, like who does that? It doesn't happen know? anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, I don't we don't love them be because they're white. Just like those guys are really freaking good. Look at that's Look at what Cooper DeGene means for them, both as a quarterback and, like, as their primary point scorer. Like, I mean, it is on some Woodson-level stuff. Like, he's, he's like, everything to them and, like, an absolute legend around the halls of Iowa. And, like, Riley Moss was a shutdown dude. And they've been putting dudes into the, like, Jack Campbell and Van Desmond Nath King in 16. Uh, Anthony Nelson currently in the NFL as well. Josh Jackson. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the development that they've done, the guys that they're pulling out, what they're doing with it, as I mentioned. But there's nothing with Cooper DeGene out that I look at that I'm like, they have that one element with him in the game. All right, there's something you can point to. But really, all he would even be able to do if he were in the game would be take away Roman Wilson. Yeah. So I do like Sebastian Castro. We talked about him off air. He's their senior defensive back, who I believe has three interceptions on the air. He's had a, a really good Eight year. TFLs. Eight tackles for loss gets into the backfield. So I do like him. No surprise. Phil Parker, secondary coach knows how to coach up the secondary. That's certainly not that surprising, but I just, I don't know how they're really going to be able to affect JJ in a way. Uh, you mentioned that he was really not healthy for that Maryland game. Yep. So it was probably not at hundred percent for Ohio state. I would think that he's getting closer to hundred percent. So I think that we're going to see more of the full playbook. Last time we played Iowa, they certainly opened up the playbook as well. Oh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh is coming back. That <laughs> seems important. That seems worth mentioning. So, you know, everybody back to doing their jobs, performing their roles. I think Michigan's going to be operating at an extremely high level. You mentioned the boa constrictor. This is like the boa constrictor going after like a rabbit when it's normally used to consuming like full grown crocodile. It's it really is, man. And like this defense, I want to make sure we touch on uh, some more key things just to give them their flowers as much as we piled on Deacon Hill and Cade. Uh, middle linebacker Jay Higgins talked about him a little bit earlier. 141 tackles on the season. That's over 11 per game. So, one of the best of the Big Ten. Uh, his partner Nick Jackson also really good. 91 tackles, 8 TFLs. Uh, they're going to try to get to JJ with Joe Evans on the edge. Five and a half sacks, 9 TFLs to lead this team. But with one uh, edge rusher, you and I have frequently talked about, you slide to his side, you chip the side, keep the running back there, the tight end, and you can kind of work around him. But no matter how good this defense is, they just they can't do it on their own against a team as good as Michigan. Like, we saw Iowa sweat out games against Nebraska. We saw them lose the game against Minnesota. I mean, kind of wrongly with that punt return being turned around. But Ugh. playing these tight games against these teams, they want to keep it low scoring. They're just not going to be able to do it against Michigan. Michigan is just too talented too well coached. Like you said, Harbaugh's coming back, kind of important. And with the, with the opportunity to have Tony Petiti hand him the Big Ten Championship trophy and oh. all the players and everybody there just sitting on it, like they're not going to screw this up. They didn't come this far to only come this far. Let me adjust the britches. There it is. That, that's, 
that's what I'm looking for. That is what this is. I mean, obviously, I'm going to enjoy every second of this. I mean, we're running out of games. There's only three left. There's only three left. So, like, we have to enjoy these. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to watch every second. Hell, I might even stay put for the commercials. There will be plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the game kicks off at, like, 8.13 or something. I'm like, God, another night game for the love of all that is holy. Why can't we have the noon kick on conference championship weekend? Why? I find something to do with my Saturday. I can't be pacing around all day watching the day games. I'll have to look at the schedule and see how it plays out, though. I do want I do want to watch a full day of football, though. You're right. So never mind. I'll be planted in front of my TV <laughs> waiting anxiously. Pace around for a couple hours. I'll be fine. Just push ups. Do, do that to kill time. But yeah, the, the night kick is is the worst. Um, last thing to touch on here. Special teams. Tory Taylor. Averages 313 punting yards a game for, <laughs> for Iowa. Uh, for comparison, Iowa's offense averages 246 yards a game. So <laughs> it's it's the Tommy Doman revenge game, in my opinion. Like he's probably he may not punt too often in this one, but when he does, like he's gonna make the most of it. But 313 punting yards a game. I that's that's a flabbergasting type of number. My man's putting in work. What is a comp? Is it like Liam Neeson's recent run of movies? Just like, wow, that that is certainly a great deal of of work you're putting out there. Is it like Sam Jackson's 90, 91 to 2006? It's it's either the volume is ridiculous. I have no idea what it's like. Like it's when I saw that number, like my jaw literally dropped. You and I were like doing some research together and saw that. We're like, wait, that's like 70 yards more than their offense averages. I've never seen that in a team in a conference championship. No. And the fact that they were able to make it here, man, it's just a testament to, to what they do on defense and special teams. Um, yeah. Tory Taylor versus Tommy Doman ball watchers unite. I cannot wait. I'm going to be dialed in. Maybe I'm going to be texting you on punts and punts only be like, here we go. Here we go. You got your, you got your micrometer. We're measuring this thing down to the centimeter. Iowa's last few games, I'm going to read you these wins just so you can kind of get the uh, the over-unders here and just really appreciate this. Starting October 7th, they beat Purdue 20-14. to They beat Wisconsin 15-6. to They lost to Minnesota 12-10. to They beat Northwestern 10-7. to They Probably the most impressive performance down the stretch, they they beat Rutgers 22 to nothing. Good win. 22 on Rutgers? Uh-huh. Ooh, the boys were fired up that day. They turned around and beat Illinois 15 to 13. And then they turned around last week to beat Nebraska 13 to 10. What a <laughs> riveting offensive year. I don't know that I could watch that. I mean, if it were Michigan, I'd find a way. I would probably put on a punt shirt and get extremely hyped up for the defense. But that is the toughest of watch. That's like Yurgos Lanthimos directs a civil war series. That's like <laughs> 36 hours. It's like, Oh boy, this is going to be a grind. They have scored over 20 four times this season. So only in a third of their games, have they scored more than 20 points, Darren Aronofsky directing knee surgery, four and a half hours. <laughs> this is like, we're doing a Mandela biopic. We're casting Joe Rogan in the lead role. <laughs> It's going to be a 17 hour mini series. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Is it, I, I got nothing else on Iowa, man. You want to get the man of the match? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, let's, let's get into the man of the match. I mean, 
it's definitely going to be Tory Taylor. No one will work harder. More snaps. Tory Taylor or Max Bredesen. Tory Taylor and Max Bredesen. <laughs> oh my God, man. On start of the offense for Michigan. Yeah. We haven't really talked about Michigan a lot in this one. Really haven't needed to. Uh... <laughs> we, we haven't talked about Michigan at all. We've just <laughs> dumped on Iowa. Oh man. This, this is this is Kate McNamara's fault. He asked for this. Your fault. Um yeah. offensively, it's gonna be a game of patience. Just pick your shots, win the 10-yard battle, keep the defense on the field, tire them out. Um, the guy I want to see stand out in this one is Trent A. Jones, right tackle. Probably going to be his first start of the season over at right tackle. I'd love to see a big one from him. Uh, man of the match. Let's let's keep it simple. Let's see if those safeties can run. Give me Colston Loveland. See how they ma- match up with somebody like that across the middle of the field. Uh, defensively, guy I'd like to see really just show out in this one is maybe Michael Barrett. See, I think he seemed a little agitated mm-hmm. online after some of the uh, the Big Ten snubs. I'd love to see a nice game out of him in this one. But for my man of the match, I'm going to go with somebody in the secondary because I think there's going to be some balls to be had for this this defense to score with. <laughs> yeah. uh, give, give me Mikey Sainer still. I think it's uh, if Will Johnson can't go, oh, Mikey's no. going to be out at boundary corner. If not, you can easily go Rod Moore here for another interception. I think the uh, defensive tackles again will be will be essential to slowing down the run and forcing this team to throw the ball more than they already don't want to uh score prediction i think it's going to be slow early a little muddled just kind of get, you know shaking off some of the hangover feeling from the big celebration like maybe even the whole first quarter is kind of slow uh michigan really starts to open up the scoring in the second quarter go to half 14 nothing um pile on in the third quarter as they've done all year stretch this lead to 28 and then i think they coast 35 nothing well said. Well said. I love a lot of what you were saying in there. Trent a. Jones, certainly a man to watch. Had him on my list. That's a pretty obvious one. I like what you're doing there. Uh, guys to watch, Donovan Edwards threw a pass last time we played these guys in that Big Ten Championship game. We just did that. So maybe we find a new routine this time around. I think Donovan Edwards through the air in this game is something Ooh. that I would watch. And a big Donovan Edwards game um, it's on the ground as well. But watch Donovan Edwards out of the backfield. Um, on defense, somebody to watch in this one. You kind of stole a lot of my picks. I'm going to stop letting you go first because then Sorry, I got to like re. I got to recalibrate, but that's all right. <laughs> Plenty of guys that I like. Oh, come on. Macari Page. There it Last is. chance for a Macari Page game. Last, not well, three nope. more chances. Three more chances. Three more chances. But uh, let's get a Macari Page game in there. Can we please? Almost bought the jersey. Sainer still was clearly the choice. Uh, I just like the look of Page 7. Very clean. Very clean. It- so let's go there. It could be a Josh Wallace game too, man. Like he's a name. I mean, he forced a fumble in that last possession, which I mean ended up not not mattering. But it's like he's there, ball disruption. Like he could be a guy in this one as well. And I feel like it kind of gets overlooked here, you know, towards the end of the year. A little bit honorable mention: uh, people to watch, people with draft stock. Those that these Ooh. are the last few games. You start to think about that a little bit more. The Michael Barretts, the Josh Wallaces of the world. AJ Barner could go. Is that a guy? Um, Keegan, you know, he's going. He's so, going. yep. So obviously what he does, Nugent, all of there's a lot of guys with draft stock. So I think a lot of guys, um, you don't play for that. These guys play for each other very clearly, but some of those guys that are, they know they're not coming back. 
hits a little different. And for my offensive man of the match, I'm going to go with Roman Wilson. Had a pretty good game against Iowa the last time that they played. I think JJ threw the air in this one. So obviously, if you're saying that, I think JJ is going to have a big game. But I think Roman Wilson might stand out. How about a two, three touchdown game from Roman Wilson? Let's coast. Let's coast early. Let's get up big. Iowa playing from behind is disastrous. It is a man. It is a one legged man on stilts trying to walk up Everest. A 14 well, point a, lead. I mean, this game is over. Done it is with. over. You and I are going to start like ordering takeout. We're going to start texting. We're going to start ordering the big 10 championships like, t- shirts. It's over 14, nothing. So Roman Wilson early. Let's put the women and children to, be- to bed and go looking for Sunday dinner and on defense. Well, they're going to try and run the ball a lot. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, they're going to want to do that. That isn't going to work. So I like where your head went with the secondary. Mikey was my guy. I don't think I really want to go away with from that. But at the same time, like, let's not hone in on one guy. There's going to be a lot of dudes taking the field that are going to have an impact. So let's spread the wealth a little bit. I will go man to the match, Junior Colson, a guy that I kind of moved away from a little bit and came on towards the end of the season, which I was super happy to see. I don't think I talked about him as much as I would like on the pod and on some rewatches of Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. I'm like, there we go. That's more what I'm looking for out of Junior Colson. So I could see him being the leading tackler on the day. Don't know that'll be in the backfield a ton, but I'll bet you'll call his name a lot. And as far as the score, I, I, you're on the right track. I think they'll get three because we're going to rest guys knowing that the playoffs are coming. So I think you're going to see like big Jaden McBurrow's minutes and Rayshon Benny minutes and Rolder might get in there. Um, so I'm going to go with 41 to three Michigan. Ooh, very I am not similar betting- to 21. Yeah, exactly. Um, I am not betting the cover just because of that. Like, oh God, I might bet the cover. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, how are they going to cover? It's 24 now, which is a frightening number for a, a conference championship game. But I just, there's, I can't talk myself into anything on their offense. It's there's nothing there. Uh, they're just they're, they're 69th in sacks allowed. They allow two sacks a game. And with this Michigan front and Mason Graham as well, it's like if they're able to get pressure as like on the passer in this, he's already, you know, proven to be inaccurate. Like I, I'm with you. I, I I do. I feel confident in saying I think the defense is going to outscore Michigan's defense is going to outscore Iowa's offense. There's going to be a pick that, six yeah. or a touchdown. Yeah. They're going to score in this game. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm taking the cover. I took it at, I took it at like 21 yeah. and a half early. Yeah, you got it at 21 and that's tremendous. Uh, 24. I got a little scared away, but now that we've, had this conversation i'm like how it's a touchdown are they gonna do that yeah how are they gonna do it like is their defense good enough to hold us like we've already played two of the best statistical defenses in the country and the offenses that iowa have played are not as strong as the offenses that penn state and ohio state have played so like when you compare the matchups iowa actually had a favorable like matchup with the offenses that they went up against so not only are they like statistically bad or excuse me, I'm saying that incorrectly, but you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Their offenses weren't going up against like hot shot defenses. No, the only time it did, it was Penn State's and they scored zero points. That was it. Right. Yep. And that it, and that exactly. was a team with Eric All, Cade McNamara, Luke Lachey, also their stud tight end that's out for the year. So you lost three starters in that game. And I just, there's, I just can't talk myself and then producing points. I'm sure like their scripted drive is going to be annoying and they're going to do some weird things and get some momentum. Like don't panic, 
early on if Iowa does some things. Like, this one's going to play out, and I think at halftime, you're going to know exactly what's going to happen. I think by the half, uh, what I did bet while I was up north and gambling is legal. Get it together, Florida. Um, be out of here soon enough. Uh, but what I did bet was Michigan to lead at the half by more than a touchdown and two total Blake Corum touchdowns, two or more. Feels like Blake Corum's going to get two in this one. It, it really does. Um, more Iowa stats, dude. They are, they've had 19 fumbles this season. They've lost seven of them one of the worst in the country in that regard as well. Like just how is this time. the team in the big 10, the big 10 West needs to be eradicated and sent to Siberia to pay for their crimes. Dude, the 2016 uh, Iowa team. I, I went back to look, I was like, well, they pulled the upset. Who was on that team? Listen to this. That team had two count them two a thousand yard rushers. It had George Kittle. It had Noah Fant. It had CJ Beathard starting at quarterback who was, you know, 17 touchdowns, which, I mean, they would love to have a 17 touchdown passer this season. I mean, it just had had Desmond King, who I believe won, uh, what is the secondary the, award? Wood, the Woodson Nagurski? Yeah, I think he won that that year. I mean, this this defense was nasty. He's like an All-American, yeah. King he was an All-American that season, an electric punt returner. Like, our, yeah, uh, Josh Jackson was on that team. I mean, just name after name all over the place. And now you look at this year's team, and it's not a far cry. I mean, I mean, their two running backs that year combined for 23 total touchdowns and, like, over 2,100 rushing yards. Yeah, they've regressed and regressed and regressed. And there's so many good offensive minds out there right now. Like, just go get somebody competent in there. And actually, I don't want that because then all of a sudden that's a problematic team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is fair. Brian Ferentz's last year. So maybe they'll get that rectified this offseason. He's got another son or like a cousin or something <laughs> who's coming up. It's, it's got to be in relation. We got in the pipeline. <laughs> I, I need a grandson. Bring him up here. So you're going to coach tight ends. Time to bring him up. Please. Well, he's, he's the he's the ball boy for the Toledo Mudhens. It's time to come up to the big leagues. We need a Ferentz in the office. We need a Ferentz in the office. <laughs> oh man. Uh well, this has been a fun Iowa uh shit shit show session. I've enjoyed every second of it, sir. And uh yeah, I think we'll be heading into the playoffs. Uh thoughts on playoff matchups. Oh, good question here at the back end. Um, it looks like if, you know, everything holds serve, Michigan wins, Georgia wins, that we're either going to face, probably going to face the Pac-12 winner or potentially Florida State. It looks like the Pac-12 winner is more likely. Um, I think we'd match up better with Washington, but I like us against either team. I think, I think Michigan will be favored in either one. Like, I mean, the, the Pac-12 kind of ate itself alive this year, especially when you consider that Oregon only has one ranked win on the season because Utah ended up plummeting a lot. Um, no, I think Washington, we'd probably run through, but Oregon, I think would be a fun matchup. Oregon's a really fun matchup. Like a lot of strength on strength yep. stuff out of that matchup. Uh, Florida state winning is the best case scenario. I wanted to root for Louisville and that one for chaos. I do not want Ohio state backing in. I don't want to create any scenarios that allow that. So easiest way to do that is Florida state wins there. And we get Florida state round one. We cruise through Florida state. So just give me the easy path this year. I, I, have, I have no moral scruples about this anymore after TCU and Georgia. Like we've gotten this far. It's time to, well, we haven't gotten there yet. There's still Iowa. We have written off Iowa. Uh, get a better offense. <laughs> Not my fault. 
<laughs> but yeah, like I, I agree with a lot of your takes there. Oregon, certainly a tricky matchup, but a fun, fun, fun matchup. I mean, that's ratings gold as well. I think a lot of people would be interested in that. And then uh, that would probably put something like Georgia, Texas or, or Georgia, Florida state. Te- yep. They kill um, yeah. Florida state. They'd be like a 17 point favorite against that Florida state yeah. team. Yeah. Florida, Florida state's blood in the water a little bit for me for a freaking playoff contender. Like they're, they're not at that level right now. There's there's a very real scenario where if Texas blows out Oklahoma State and although Florida State's undefeated, if they win a close nail biter against Louisville, Texas could jump them still. Like it would be unprecedented. But if you want to put the best matchups on the field of qualified contenders, you can't say Florida State is without Jordan Travis. Yeah. Yeah. What does Bama beating Georgia do for this? <sighs> Introduces some fun chaos. Michigan moves to one, Pac 12 winner to two. Uh, if Florida State wins, they'd be at three. And then you have a bloodbath at the end there. It's like, do you put Bam in? What if Texas wins? They lost by double digits to Texas in Tuscaloosa. What about Ohio <laughs> State? They're flirting around there. What if Washington loses the Pac-12 game? Are, are, are they just out of this? Are they done? Like, it, chaos is induced if Alabama beats Georgia. That's the one. That's the one. Oof. One last go for all the marbles. I cannot wait to watch college football this weekend, sir. We'll have all of the coverage that you need. We'll have our own unique takes about this when we come back. I cannot wait to talk about it. We'll be back next week. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.